Now, listen, they want me to say hello, welcome to the James Well best bits of tonight's show, which you can hear every night, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio from 7 till 10. But I said, wouldn't it be best to call it the worst of whale? So have a listen. See what you think. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Marcus Rushford, who is, uh, uh, well, you know he's Rashford. a footballer. Yeah, Rashford. But he, he did very well here because yes. he, uh, uh, he has 1.3 million children now who will get free school meals. No, he hasn't That's got prolific. He, These he, Premier he, footballers yeah. really are <laughs> prolific. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Downing Street had said all children eligible for free meals in term time in England oh. will benefit from the COVID oh. summer food fund. Stephen Timms, Labour MP for Parliament for East Ham and former Minister of State for Schools, joins us now. Uh, Stephen, good evening to you. Good evening, James. Um, I think we should just say that when, when a, a government of the day actually changes their mind, it shows they're listening. Well, absolutely. It's, it's, I very much welcome it. Um, and, you know, we, we had a, a debate in Parliament this afternoon. Um, coincidentally, I think I'm not quite sure uh, whether it was organised, but we had this debate on the same or the day after um, that letter was published. But anyway, we, ha- we had the debate this afternoon. We were wanting to persuade the government to make this change of policy. And um, before the debate started, they had announced they were indeed going to do so. So uh, I, I very yeah. much welcome it. Yeah. And I, I, but, I, using the term U-turn, if that implies some disparagement, then I mm. agree. It, I think it's absolutely yeah. right wholeheartedly to welcome the, uh, the, the announcement yeah. the government has now made. See, that's one of thing I like about you as a politician, Stephen, over the years. You've always been prepared to sort of... Uh, uh, say when uh, either party is right or wrong and even oh. criticise your own party sometimes. And I think all politicians should be prepared to do that. Well, kind of you to say so. But why were they wrong? I mean, why why should they get free meals in the summer when they never have before? What's a... Well, well I, I mean, yeah. a, a lot of people are more dependent at the moment on free school meals than has generally been the case because of the effects of the pandemic and you know there are quite a number of families now mm. for whom they, they just couldn't afford to pay for meals for the kids and indeed they're struggling to pay for meals for themselves as well dependent on food banks and you know in my constituency we we've gone back to soup kitchens although they're they're kind of biryani kitchens rather than soup oh, that's, that's even better yeah, yeah. East Ham. At the, well, in, in East Ham, yeah, it's a regular site now in our high street. Somebody opens yeah. up a, a restaurant which isn't operating and hands out free food, cooked food to people who otherwise wouldn't yeah. have yeah. any. Biryani so, to go. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, and I tried some and it was very good mm. uh, the other week. But, um, you know, for, for, so for, for those families, if their children over the summer were also going to lose the preschool meals they've been benefiting from up to now, things would have been really, really hard. So, I, you know, I, why is it different this year from normal? I think it is just the effects of the crisis and the fact that so many people at the moment are just not able to work. There isn't a job for them to go to. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to find it after the furloughing, after the and, and firms, I'm afraid. I don't want to sp- spread doom and all this sort of thing, but I think firms are likely... Uh, to close down because the way it seems to be going is very, very worrying. 
I think you're right. I think, I mean, we've seen the unemployment figures today, another huge yeah. jump. And I think it is clear that when the furlough scheme unwinds, there will be a very large number of people without a, a job. I mean, you know, years mm. ago, we used to talk about three million unemployed. We could easily be back in that territory or, or worse. And so I think the government has to do some very quick footwork to plan for how you handle such a large number of unemployed people, what you do in job centres, for example. You know, the, the number of people working in job centres has been mm. drastically reduced because, you know, the truth is we've had very low unemployment for quite a while now. Suddenly, yeah. we're going to find ourselves with very high levels of unemployment and they are going to need a lot more people working in those job centres than there have been up till now. Uh, Stephen, good nice to, to talk to you. Um, thank, thank you, you thank very you, much indeed. Thanks a lot, mate. Bye bye. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. North Korea has blown up a what, apparently a joint liaison office with South Korea. With why the South would they want to do that? I've no idea. Why, have they, why is North Korea such a pain? Well, not the, the, the government. I mean, I well, is he around? Really... No one's seen him for a couple of months. There was rumours that he died. And he yeah. has not been seen for a couple of months, and his sister's he, been seen around, and she's the one. She's the one, the heir to the throne, and I, I think he's dead. Um, okay, let's talk to uh, Dr. John uh, Nilsson Wright, uh, North Korea expert and senior lecturer in international relations at Cambridge University. Good evening to you, sir. Evening. Evening. So, is he alive or not? I think he's probably alive, um, judging from the photographs. He seems to be, you know, all those rumours about him having had heart surgery and mm. maybe having died from COVID-19. He seems pretty much to be around. But, of course, it's, as you were saying just earlier, it's his sister who's kind of making all of the yeah. aggressive noises towards the South. Why? his sister what? who said... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, why has his sister suddenly become yeah. such a sort of... Nasty piece of work. Well, presumably she always was. But in why the is she in the driving seat now? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if you look at the family and their history, I mean, I hate to say that DNA is destiny, but I mean, it might well be that this is kind of part of the family tradition of being pretty brutal. Um, but they're mentally but yeah. uh, mentally incapable. Aren't but they? he killed his own brother, half brother, didn't he? They don't like they're even their own members of the family competing with each other. You know. True. True. So yeah. they're yeah they're pretty uncompromising. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think Kim is he's a nasty piece of work, but he is rational. He is proportionate, and we're seeing that at the moment with this, you know, yet another provocation from the North, this decision mm -hmm. to blow up the liaison mission. It's a way of saying, we're around, we're fed up because people aren't paying attention to us. We want Trump in particular to start talking to us. We're mm -hmm. tired of the economic sanctions. And so we're going to go after the soft underbelly, which is South Korea. And the South Korean president, President Moon, has been, of course, reaching out the hand of friendship over the last two years, talking about engagement. Mm. So what better way to do to try and create that um, interest and to try and get the world looking at you again, but to do something not too provocative. It's not technically attacking the South, but it's blowing up a building that they've established and paid for. So it's a way of saying unambiguously, you, South Korea, are in the wrong. They claim that the reason they're doing this is because the South Koreans have been sending propaganda balloons, as they call them, across mm. the border, um, saying nasty things about Kim Jong-un and what a brutal dictator he is. 
Um, uh, but I think the real reason is that they want, you know, they want to be the centre of attention and they want the Americans to start releasing, relaxing those sanctions. Um, and they're saying, well, if if our enemy South Korea isn't going to start doing what we want, we're going to start throwing more of our toys out of the pram. And so the, the worry I think a lot of us looking at this situation have is that, okay, you blow up a building, so what, right? I mean, it's it hasn't been functioning very well to begin yeah. with. Um, they're going to then say, well, if that doesn't get a result, are we going to start sending ships across the northern limit line in the West Sea, hmm. um, potentially firing artillery across the DMZ, moving some of our troops back into the DMZ? And Trump may have been, you know, we think he might have been distracted because that was the time when his, you know, advisor was coming, his former advisor hmm. was coming out and saying that he had all of this dirt on Trump. So, um, you know, given Trump's incredibly limited attention span, it may well have been that that had some, some impact. But the, the loss of faith for Kim, of having traveled to Hanoi to meet the most mm. powerful man on the planet, and then discovering that everything that his aides have been saying to him is that this is the moment when you're going to achieve what you wanted and get treated like a really serious player and get a deal from the Americans, completely fell apart. Um, and I think that sense of frustration is still there. So for Kim, he's going to try to play no longer Mr. Nice Guy and do something a little bit more provocative. And the usual playbook, of course, is to send off a few missiles. Um, but that doesn't work. We saw in March he, he launched about five sets of short-range missiles. Now's the chance to do something that really gets under the skin of President Moon, who, of course, has spent all of his political capital saying, I'm the man who can deliver Donald Trump. I'm the man who can deliver peace. And suddenly all of those, you know, very warm words about bilateral recognition and cooperation and peace on the Korean Peninsula are being deliberately undermined by the North Koreans. Dr. John Nilsson Wright, uh, he's a, an expert on North Korea, senior lecturer in international relations at Cambridge University. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Today marks the 60th anniversary of uh, Hitchcock's iconic film psycho. Ian Nathan is film critic for Empire magazine. Ian, good evening to you. Good evening to you. Funnily enough, I watched it not long ago. Yeah, um, and I can't remember why, but I just watched it. Not I, could, I couldn't remember the last time I'd seen it, and I actually couldn't remember what happened. The only bit you can remember is the shower scene, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. So uh, it's quite it, it's it's quite sort of um, disturbing, isn't it? Amateurish now, isn't it? <laughs> I suppose you know. Yeah, you know, it was made what 1959, you know, released in 1960, and Hitchcock made it with his TV crew, not his big movie crew. Because it was a yeah, you know, it was a dark subject matter. No one had done anything like it before. It was seen as dangerous at the time. The studio didn't want to release it, so he kind of made it a bit undercover with these kind of Hitchcock's Hour TV crew. Made it in black and white so the blood wouldn't show up. He you know, did all these kind of tricks to beat the kind of the production code, the censorship board. And it was a watershed moment in a way. You know, I think all of modern horror movies, the whole kind of slasher generation, owes its origins to Psycho. Yeah, I don't think it was unrealistic. I think it was quite a... It was theatrical. You don't think it was unrealistic? No, I mean, because it didn't actually show you anything. It sort of it was theatrical, wasn't it? You saw the yeah. knife come, and then you saw her screaming, and, her, and then you saw the blood going down, and you saw her hand. and you, So you never actually saw the the physical... Well, no, but it was quite frightening, wasn't Very it? Very frightening, but clever how, it, how it's done, and it, I suppose that's all down to Hitchcock, isn't it? The genius of Hitchcock. 
Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he edits the shower sequence in such a way that you think you've seen stabbing, but you haven't. A lot of it's down to Bernard Herrmann's music we're just listening to. That's more than just music. It's almost it imitates the movement of the knife. Yeah. It's about the sound effects, the kind of knife going into a melon effect they used. Yeah. And it's about just the, the frenzy of the cuts and the imagery. It's, yeah. it's, we're fooled into thinking we're seeing this woman get stabbed. And then, of course, we see her collapse at the end and we see the, the blood going down the plug hole. Yeah. And, yeah, in 1960, that was a revolution. We'd never had anything like it. You're Is that right, what he right. did with the, lemon, uh, the melon? He did it with a... Yeah, they stab a knife into a melon and it gets that get kind the of chopping, yeah. chopping And sucking sound, yeah. the suction set. Yeah. yeah. You know, all yeah. tricks. You know, it was the first film ever to show a toilet being flushed. Apparently, I've just had a text. Hang oh, on, yeah. I've just had a text here yeah, this is the uh, from somebody who wants to be anonymous. They say, the blood that you see going down the plug hole in Psycho was actually chocolate sauce. It That's showed correct, up better yeah. on Black Ops. Is it? Absolutely correct. showed up better <laughs> on, on the film. Yeah, quite a similar texture, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite yeah. similar. <laughs> you know, all thought through by Hitchcock. You know, why he wanted to do it in black and white. So he could get it past the censors, because it was in colour. They would never let wow. him do it. That's amazing. You know? And is that your favourite or most iconic film of Hitchcock? Because there's so many, aren't there, to choose yeah. from? I, it's one of the best. For me, it's Rear Window. I yeah, actually yeah. adore Rear Window with James mm, Stewart. I've never I, seen that. You know, it's just a fantastic film. You know, it's all set from the point of view of someone who can't move, yeah. broken his leg, sitting in a wheelchair, watching it all happen. You know, yeah. and he's just like someone in the audience. You know, it's this fantastic idea of someone watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love North by Northwest with Cary Grant. Was yeah. it his originality yeah, that made him different? Yeah. Is that what, you know... Also, I think he understood, you know, he, he appreciated audiences, Hitchcock. He wanted to thrill us, excite yeah. us and traumatise us. Yeah. So he constantly thought about the audience reaction. It wasn't about making great art. He made Psycho because he knew it would shock everyone. He loved yeah. that idea. It was a devil yeah. in him. And yeah. That made him brilliant. Yeah. But there's also yeah. an art about it, isn't there? With all these great ones, there's also... They're not just shocking people. There's an artistic part of them. That, that, that That's the thing that stands out as well. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine seeing Psycho, you know, in 1916? You'd never, you know, you knew nothing about it, and you went in, and the leading lady gets killed after 40 minutes. Yeah. That never happened. Mm. That confounded the audience. They were just like, well, where do we go from here? Mm. The bad guys won, you know. It's, it must have been absolutely traumatising for, for people to see. And we know everything these days. There's so much hype and gossip yeah. and all that yeah. around any production. But then there wasn't, and I, you know, that must have been absolutely devastating to come out of the film, you know. <laughs> and what was it like at the time? Were there protests and stuff? Was it what well, was... there was certainly, there was a lot of arguments with the, the, the censorship board, which Hitchcock kind of danced around and got his film through. And there was a lot of worry from the studio, but actually the film was a huge hit, as you said, $50 million, you know. Uh, listen, Ian, thank you very much indeed for that. Fascinating. We must talk more about movies in the not-too-distant future. Ian Nathan, who's yeah. a film critic for Empire Magazine. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on talk radio. I just got cars sorted and things like that. Have you got a new car? No, no, I had to fix someone's uh, car a bit. Anyone I know? No, no, no. Talk. Oh, that's what you say when you text us. Talk. <laughs> yeah. Tracy Did you? Um, yeah, we don't hear from her anymore, do we? It's a good point, actually. Why don't we hear from Tracy? Can you find out, guys, why we don't hear from Tracy Chapman anymore? You could get in on this if you want. Oh, Somebody there's a rainbow. Go- Look, there's a rainbow. Let's get the pot of gold. What do you want to do? Do you want to take a... What do you want to do? Actually? Yeah, Look, yeah why let's don't take I a breaky, a little breaky, and then we'll come back and reform and, and talk about all... Are you sure about that? Yeah, yeah, let's okay, do all fine. that, yeah. 
Jersey belongs to France, and we nicked it. We own it's not, Jersey. It's nowhere near it, they this co- country. If they want it, they can come and get it. But they... we're not part of the UK and never have been. Yeah, you were. We own you. you. No, but I've heard the same with the footballers saying the same. And I heard a horse race guy saying in a few years he won't even remember there was no crowd there. Calm down, Ash. Calm down. See, I'm getting excited Um, about it. Margaret Thatcher invented the Mr. Whippy when she went Will you shut up interrupting for a minute before I slap your legs? I thought you'd like that. What about a cuddle? I want a cuddle. That was uh, the clips for today. The worst of Whale, or sorry, sorry, the best of James Whale. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed them. Well, I suppose if you didn't enjoy them, you won't be listening, will you? Anyway, I'll be back 7 o'clock until 10, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio. Have a great day. Thank you for listening.